find the baller. My life is more than money and money. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and journey. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home and laugh behind the baller. Yo, 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 what's good, everyone? You are now tuned in to the world-famous, award-winning Behind the Baller podcast in true high-definition sound. I am your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble. Some of you call me the Forrest Gump of hip-hop. Some of you know me as the Korean John Cusack. But yo, check it out, everybody. We got a very very special show. Every show I say it's special, but this one is for real special, special. All right. Today's episode is crazy. All right. We got official BTB Seahawks correspondent Scott Ferranda on the show today. Obviously, we're going to talk about our fucking beloved Seahawks and our fucked up defense and everything else and our Super Bowl chances and what we think about the rest of the schedule and all that stuff. We discuss the fuckery, coward behavior of Dick Stain, Donald Trump, and his coup d'etat attempt, and fuck him anyways, we also have a very special guest on the show today. We got comedian, prankster, pioneer, and now professional podcaster Tom Green is blessing our microphone today. Can we get a hand clap, please? Can we get a hand clap? I am so fucking hyped, you guys. You have no idea. By the way, if you did not know, this is a Dust Brothers production podcast. All right. Are you guys ready for a fire ass show? All right. Well, then, Jordan, Miles, Lakey Lake, let's fucking go. So before we begin with the real Toro, that's the fatty belly area of the tuna, you know what I'm saying? Before we get to the fucking Wagyu, right, I got to send my condolences to the family of DJ Spinbad. Got to send my condolences to my boy, Russell Peters. Yes, that Russell Peters, the world famous comedian. Rest in peace to my boy, DJ Spinbad. You were a monument in the hip-hop DJ culture. You super OG in the game, man. This is a dude who I met on AOL Instant Messenger. If you guys remember AIM, or maybe I'm just too old for you guys, but this is somebody I met via DJ AM, a OG co-founding member of the Air Max crew. Rest in peace, Adam. Rest in peace, Spin Bad. Um... Fucking name is is crazy. Spinbad passed away a couple nights ago from a heart attack, and uh, it's crazy. He's like a couple years younger than I am. Just a month or two ago, he lost his mom to a drunk driver in a car accident. So, twenty twenty has just been a fucked up year, right? Uh, I thought about it because he had a heart attack, you know. And um, you know, he's probably about my size, you know, whatever. Not all of us are in great health and everything, and. Just got me thinking, man. You know, I hit up DJ Homicide. You know, by the way, some of you guys may or may not know that Homicide is my, one of my best friends in my life. Been friends for 30 years. Came up together. 
DJing events for $50 each. This motherfucker was the first one to become famous in the crew. You know, rock star. Produced half or more of all the songs for Sugar Ray. Never knew in a million years that this motherfucker would be in a pop rock band and just be enormous and had, you know, glory and the fame and everything. But, you know, now Homicide's about to turn 50 next month. And all, both of us, our health is like legit, like slowly deteriorating, you know. And we're just talking about how important it is to have good health at our age, you know, motherfuckers got high blood pressure, got fucking diabetes, high cholesterol. Like it ain't no joke getting close to 50. So you gotta make sure you take care of yourself. Yo, some of you motherfuckers that listen to this show, I know you guys are 38, 39, almost pushing 40. Do not forget to get a colonoscopy. Make sure you get your blood work. Make sure you get your labs done. Make sure you get everything taken care of, all right? I feel for my boy Craig, Craig aka Homicide, because he dedicated his entire life to taking care of his mom. For 16 years, Homicide took care of his mom, like really took care of her. He had some nurses, you know, nurses that could be at the house, but he just he could go work and DJ, but he really took care of his mom. He moved her out to Miami when he bought a mansion out in Miami Beach. And then he brought his mom to Vegas. He did everything he could for her. Really did everything he could. That's all he had. He cherished it. Fucking solid dude. No matter how much shit he talks and everything. I mean, look, I may sound like I have a lot of bitterness to me, whatever, and people don't know what's going on, but really, for the most part, I am happy, dude, and, and I'm blessed. Um, not to say that Craig isn't or anything, but, you know, Craig lost his mom earlier this year. His dad passed away 16 years ago. His mom had a stroke right after his dad had passed away, so it's just been a crazy-ass fucking time, and uh, Craig is a solid dude. You know, again, this is, you know, he's been on the podcast. He's a legendary guy. It's been a real tough year for my boy, Craig, and... um you know, look, guys, we have 49 days left until this year is over. So please be careful out there. It's getting real spooky. Like, for real, man, scary. Crazy times out here, all right? And speaking of crazy times, every single fucking day, every single day for the last week, we have broke the record. Every day, we break the record again of how many COVID infections there are in the country. And people still think this shit is a joke. It ain't. No matter what you believe in, all right, no matter, you know, how many people you see wearing masks or anything else, we got to stick with it because you guys want to keep gambling with your health, uh, you know, cool, but don't risk others, all right? I know and truly believe this shall pass. You know, this Pfizer fucking vaccine came out of nowhere and I respect Pfizer. I ain't gonna lie to you, man. They're a big fucking company and I've used some of their fucking medication and drugs and everything, but yo, 90%, we're, we're close. And what sucks is they didn't fucking release this you know, do I think it's conspir a conspiracy that they didn't release it before the election to fuck with Donald? I don't really know. But now that that's out there, that's, it's looking good. But all of this together only works as if we work as a team. Teamwork makes a dream work. Look, people are worried about getting back to normal life, okay? But there are reasons why we keep having setbacks, it's because dumb fucks are out there and they want to go party, they want to do whatever. They're not tripping, they have the nas mask under their fucking nose. They're this, that, whatever. They're complaining about shit. Ah, I'm sick of doing this. Like, you don't think all of us are sick of doing this shit? I hate this shit. It's driving me nuts more than ever, especially coming back from San Diego and seeing that San Diego got restaurants and shit open, whatever, and they don't give a fuck. Motherfuckers are getting infected inside the restaurants. Hate to tell you this. Go Google and look at the LA Eater article about it. For all of you who live in Los Angeles or whatever, I'm just telling you, LA Eater is a very, very big foodie, you know, news outlet. 
uh, for foodies and stuff and everything. And it's, um, it, this shit is just fucked up. All right. The state of Texas is the first state in the United States that have to have over 1 million cases of COVID-19. Okay. Understand this. Let me say it again. Whenever I leave the house, I have a mask on. Do not leave my car without it. Not shaking anything else. Whenever I touch anything at all, even a door, or I touch a fucking uh, magazine, anything, I use sanitizer right after. Because just in case, what if I touch my nose? I don't know. Just being overly cautious. Anytime I'm walking around out doing an errand, when I get back into my car, I use sanitizer before I touch my steering wheel or anything else, as does anyone in my family and in my my personal assistant. Anyone that rocks with me on a daily basis for the last eight months, they follow that protocol, okay? I don't even lack what, I don't ever, you'll never see me lacking, never, okay? And again, that means sometimes when I leave the house, for a simple, whether it be fucking to go pick up lunch, to go pick up my mail, to go have a short little meeting with somebody that is wearing a mask and social distancing with me, with me, that means just on that quick trip, single round trip, I wash or sanitize my hands 20 or more times in one single trip, okay? Because I can't risk getting London infected with COVID-19. And it's getting bad, all right? With schools trying to open up and whatever, and like, yo, we just can't. I thought about it. I was like, look, man, it's so important. You know how fucking important it is for London at AIDS, having conversations, talking to his friends on FaceTime. How important for someone who wasn't really socially, he was socially awkward and had all these issues. And now to have friends and talk, look, thank God he has his brother, and thank God he has, you know, the Kaya's in the house, and they, I know they bully her and shit or whatever, but it's like she's growing up, and they don't even fucking, Kaya doesn't even understand what the fuck it is to be outside. You know, yeah, you could go ride your scooter, you could go do this, whatever, but it's like, it's sad. You know, yes, we have a pool, yes, we have a yard, yes, we have a big house, but I'm just saying, it's fucked up to see these other families who both parents work. You know, I know a kid that goes to London school whose both his parents are, they're both um, nurses, and they got to drop off their kid to a daycare. Like, I think it's the boys' club which is crazy because I think it just ends up being like, it could end up being like three, $4,000 a month that they had to use a, a, someone to watch them, but they have to work. So it's just like fucked up. And on the weekends, they have their um, their parents watch the kid and it just makes them sad. You know, like it's the school schedule having Zoom. You, you know, you can't have, a six-year-old kid's not gonna fucking pay attention on Zoom. Seven-year-old, eight-year-old, let alone a five-year-old, they're not gonna pay attention on a fucking Zoom class. The parent has to be next to them the entire time. It's really fucking crazy, right? So how do both parents work if they have to fucking provide and pay the rent and pay for food? This shit's risking their jobs, their livelihood, the whole nine. The only way we can get this under control is if we all practice safety, follow the fucking CDC protocol, all right? On Monday, I shot a promo for NBA 2K21, and we used the PS5, first time ever using it. It was fucking kind of crazy, graphics nuts. And I played in an NBA 2K21 tournament, all right? Played against the game, Sheck West, Lethal Shooter, Austin Mills, Zach Bia, Fatboy SSE, and Dancing Dan Rue, right? All of us had to take a mandatory COVID-19 test and then quarantine, okay, for 24 hours. When we all arrived at NBA 2K Studios, we were able to take our masks off here and there. I was kind of reluctant at first, but I was like, yo, shit, that's right. Everyone did take tests. 
They had to show it. They're, they're not fucking playing. The NBA doesn't fuck around. But the staff and all the other people working still had to keep their masks on. All right, shout out to my boy Ronnie 2K. This was the first time in eight months where I was in a room with my peers and had my mask off. And it was the first time of living in normalcy, like barely. All right, it felt really nice. I'm not gonna lie to you. It was really, really nice being in this fucking whatever. And we weren't even outside. It just, I had forgot all about the coronavirus for about an hour or two. But I lost in the first round to Lethal Shooter. And then I got to catering start eating fucking food, and uh, I watch game and check West battle out for the title. Anyways, that was a nice thing uh, just to have that experience, you know, so I thought about, I was like, look, I'm down to have, you know, 10 family members or close friends and pay my boy, Dr. Abe, to have 10 COVID tests, rush tests to my closest friends and family, have them quarantine first after the tests, get their test, you know, quarantine, get the result, and then that night, come over and hang out for a movie night in the Million Dollar Man Cave or have some food and chill just so we can have something cool where motherfuckers, we know they've been testing everything. We'll have to start doing this more often. But yeah, that was a big deal. I need everyone to fucking just pay attention. Look, you can believe in what you, you know, what you want to, but at the end of the day, look, it's not no conspiracy. People are motherfucking dying. Yes, I lost three friends. Yes, it was early on, but cases are getting bad. And flu season's right around the corner. With flu season and everything else, I've never got a flu shot in my entire life. I'm going to do it just for my kids. I want them to do it. I need anything to strengthen this shit up. I know that I think that that shit was the feds, but I don't have a choice. I don't got that that luxury to gamble. Um, yesterday, I went to go see my boy, R.D. R.D., I've mentioned on the show before, he owns an exotic luxury car company called Luxury Auto Collection, LAC. It's based out of Scottsdale, but he also has a little small base here um, on the west side, and he's known as at wires only on Instagram, and he's the car plug to the stars. I really respect dude. He's a good fucking guy, and um, he had a Maybach minivan, and it was a uh, you know all converted, everything fucking done up. I had to check it out before I considered buying it. You know what I mean? I had to go see it first, and it's fucking sick. Like the meticulous detail, he hit everything from the door sills to the fucking headrest embroidery to the, you know, quilted leather to the spinning seats and fucking lay down bed and the drop down gauges, the fucking sound system, that the, the front interface, everything, the floating Maybach center caps on the wheels, like the double R's, the hood ornament, car is fucking tits, okay? And I mean Emily Ratatowski tits right? Not some IG model silicone. Anyways, shout out to my boy RD, shout out to RD's team member, Joey, for being such a gracious host. And speaking of vans, we're going to get right into this shit right now. My boy, Tom Green, actually has a crazy state-of-the-art conversion van. He's got a fucking bathroom, bed. He's got a fucking full-blown podcast studio in there, recording studio, everything. And he has spent the last month driving around the United States in remote desert areas and all this stuff. We're going to talk about it on the show and everything, a whole lot more. Tom Green fucking super fucking legend, you guys. Man, I really hope some of you motherfuckers really do know Tom Green is a real, true legend. So, Miles, let's get into some beats by Lakey and let's get into a real quick commercial break and let's get into this interview with the legend Tom Green. Hey guys, I'd like to take a minute out to talk about Echelon. 
the fitness equipment that is in my home. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment. Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of your own home. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily, live, and on-demand studio-level classes, always available when you need them. Unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone. And one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash baller. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash baller. Yo, yo, you are listening to Behind the Baller podcast. We got the man, the myth, the legend, Tom Green, host of the Tom Green interview. What's good, Tom? What's up, Ben? What's up? Thanks for having me on the show, man. This is great. Great to talk to you. Great to be here. Yeah, you know what's really weird? Just just random as hell. Yeah. Around 2000, maybe 2001, I forgot when it was, but it was when the Escalade first came out. It never, it was the debut, like I had one of the first Escalades in, in, you know, in Los Angeles, and it was a big deal. And um, I bought it at a random ass place, bought it in Thousand Oaks, California. And it had like four TVs in it. You know, and had one in the, in the visor, had one in the, you know, the headrest and everything. And the guy who installed everything, he was, uh, I don't know if he was fucking Russian or something, Eastern European. And uh, I needed to fix something. So I was like, fuck it. I want him to work on my Porsche. So I had him work on my Porsche and uh, working. And he's like, hey, dude, I got I to gotta work on this guy's car. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? I just got here. Like, come on, let's let, finish this shit. Like, fix the subwoofer. And he's like, no, dude, it's Tom Green. <laughs> I'm like, What? Bro, fuck Tom Green. What, what are you talking about, bro? Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care if it's George Bush. What do you mean? And he's like, I got I to gotta do this thing. Tom's crazy, man. He's so fucking cool, blah, blah. Man, I didn't have four TVs in my car, though. That's for sure. Yeah, but I don't remember what the fuck, what kind of car it was, whatever. But it was just weird because he was like a, he was a dude who did like custom stereos and whatever. But so it was just weird. I don't know if you remember that or if you remember if that sounds familiar, if you ever had like a stereo done in your car or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I probably had some something put in i mean I, I, I but i'm not sure what year was it what year 2000 2000 okay okay yeah that's that's going way back that's when i first moved to la so so i'm sure i don't know i don't know what he was doing i don't know what was going on i, I don't think i have as many cars as you though i've seen <laughs> i've seen on the internet you got a lot of sweet cars i've had i've had a couple of nice cars over the years but i haven't had uh you know one with four TVs in it. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get let's get this rocking, bro. So, where are you right now? Well, you know, I'm actually I've been traveling in my van for the last twenty days, and I just am now taking a pit stop at home in Los Angeles as of yesterday, and I'm leaving again tomorrow, uh, and I'm off to Austin, Texas. But uh, I've been basically in my van for the last twenty days, all through Utah. And uh, when I say my van, I guess I should explain. I built this podcast studio in a van, and I've been doing music and podcasting and videos and traveling around the country, just kind of 
trying to get out and see some nature and uh, do some photography and and focus on my podcast uh, and uh, do it out in nature. Because so for the first six months of this pandemic, I was I built a studio in my house again, and I was doing my show in my house, and I just started getting kind of bored, right? So uh, if you go on my YouTube channel, I just I sent you a video a minute ago, but you can see all these clips that I've been making of of me. I was just in Valley of God, Utah, which is this amazing, you know, desert place that is full of these incredible rock formations and it's where uh you know uh john wayne shot a bunch of his movies oh shit it's it's just crazy you feel like i feel like i've been like in a cowboy movie for the last uh, month so it's been pretty cool well i clicked on it real quick just to check it out it looks sick so uh, okay well hold on bro Are, are you going solo when you're driving out to Utah, are you, are you got somebody with you? Yeah, no, yeah, it's been me and my dog, Charlie, are, are living on the road together. Yeah, so Charlie's kind of like the star of all my videos. I'm just kind of like the director, you know. You'll probably hear Charlie barking right now in the background. Um, <laughs> so just you and the dog, that's it? Just me and the dog. I don't have a cameraman, nothing. And I'm just I'm shooting all this, this crazy video. I always used to shoot and edit all the stuff, you know, for the Tom Green Show back in the day. did all the editing. Didn't do all the shooting because, you know, I was running around like, you know, covering myself in cheese. There's Charlie right there. I was running around covering myself in cheese and stuff like that. But but now I'm shooting everything and I'm just making these kind of crazy kind of weird documentaries about me and my dog living alone in the wilderness. It's been pretty weird, Ben. It's been pretty weird. Like, you know, like I'm going to these really remote places. You know, I talk about it in my podcast. And also I... Uh, I uh, put it in these videos. So I've been I've been Dixie National Forest at the top of a mountain. I was up in the, the Waysatch uh, Plateau in, in Utah. And I was out in Nevada and middle of Arizona, middle of the Mojave Desert. And like the first couple of nights, like I got to tell you, it was, was kind of creepy, you know? <laughs> I was just going to say, man, fuck. Yeah, because you're all by yourself, you know? And, you know, it was like just kind of weird. You know, I got the van about about two months ago. Spent the first month with it here, you know, my home in L.A., just kind of equipping the studio. And and I've kind of got this pretty – I mean, I know you know about making music, right? So, like, I, I can tell you kind of what I've set, set up in there. I've got, like, a, my MPC, MPC-X drum machine. And uh, I'm, you know, basically I've got a, a keyboard with a lot of different keyboard sounds. And uh, right, What do you and, got, Triton, Trinity, um, Roland? What do you have, like a – well, I have I have a, a controller. It's called Complete Control uh, Controller. Okay. And then that basically it's a bunch of software synths that I have in there. Right. For my traveling studio. Are you running an MPC two thousand, three thousand, XL sixty? What are you running? It's MPCX, the new MPCX. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And then I'm running it all through a Neve preamp and. Uh, oh, okay, got Neve. And I've got a eleven seventy six compressor for my mics and uh, you know Neumann. Uh, U87 Mike and I'm uh, I'm gonna do like a a country rap album. I call it crap. Is what I call it. <laughs> so, have you been able to have any guests on your on your podcast, or you've just been doing solo? Yeah, no. So I have people calling in just like we're doing now. It's sort of the pandemic way of doing things. So I'll be in my van, and I just this week's episode. I just was uh, actually up in Utah, and uh, when I taped it, and uh, uh, the Trailer Park Boys called in. From Canada, who are these hilarious guys? I'm, I'm from Canada, and they great show up there, and they're on Netflix and everything. And they're awesome. They've been around for years. They're friends of mine. But I've had Ray Romano on the show. Uh, was on one of the first episodes, and 
Uh, just had Jim Norton. On. Fuck, Ray Romano was great. And by the way, in um, in the Irishman, God, he was so good. Fuck. Yeah, we talked about that. He was, you know, as a New Yorker, he was completely, you know, in awe of being there. On yeah, the come set. on, De Niro, Pesci, fucking, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that was great. He kicked off the new series. It's called the Tom Green Interview. It's yeah. the podcast. And uh, and it's uh, it's on once a week. We put it out with this uh, with audio up this uh, great podcast audio company that's that's been uh, getting behind it. So it's pretty amazing. I'm having a great time doing it. No, it's dope, man. So man, look, man, I'm a big fan. I remember a few from back in the day and, and all this other shit and everything. And we've ran in a lot of the same circles in L.A. over the years. Right. So I just want to shake shit up and just ask random shit. But like, yo, what was it like being so motherfucking famous in L.A. during that time? It was a pretty exciting time because I'd been doing my show in Canada on uh, public access TV for for years, and then when MTV picked it up, I was you know I was probably 28 years old, and uh, you know the show kind of was a hit on MTV. All of a sudden, I was moved out to LA, and and uh, it was a pretty exciting time. You know, I mean, I had the same guy working on my car as who was working on Ben Baller's car. You know, so. <laughs> Things were pretty fucking good, you know? What, what did you drive back then? Do you remember what it was? Was it a Porsche? I had a Porsche. I did have a Porsche. was basically one of the first cars I got. So maybe that was what he was doing, putting the the, the Alpine nav system in there probably. Cause yeah. I, prob- I probably didn't know how to find anything in Los Angeles. So I still don't. But uh, it's been 20 years. I still don't know where the hell I'm going. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, maybe that was it. It was a Porsche uh, 911 convertible. It was a pretty sweet car. Had that for a long time. Nice car. Yeah, man. That was my, uh, 911 was my first car. It just was a coupe. wasn't a drop top. But yeah, you know, I heard about uh, the public access TV in Canada, which is fucking nuts. And because um, uh, Mike Rapport, he's a friend of mine, and he's the person who got me inspired to do podcasting. In fact, his producers produced my show. And that's why, um, well, I mean, when I heard you on there, I was like, oh, shit, wait a second. This motherfucker was on public access TV. I never knew that. And to tell you the truth, I kind of vaguely feel like I remember you were from Canada. But where did you grow up exactly? I grew up in Ottawa, which is okay. uh, the capital capital of Canada, sort of eastern Canada to set it up for your listeners. It's sort of north of New York State. And uh, it's cold up there, really yeah. cold. You know, <laughs> you know? I, uh, that's the one thing I don't miss about Canada. I miss a lot about, a lot about Canada, but I don't miss the cold. It's literally one of the most freezing cities you can, uh, you can oh, live bro. in. But, uh, Dude, when I was, when I was in college... I knew I wasn't going to go to the pros because I, I got a scholarship playing football. So I, um, my head coach, he left our school. We lost our program. He ended up going to the CFL. So I was like, fuck it. You know what, man? You know what? Check it out. Fuck it. Be Doug Flutie. I'll go out there and just fucking whatever. Why not? So I've never been to Canada before my entire life. This is like 1994. And I go to Edmonton. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> and it was, look, man, I've never liked the cold my entire life. And back then I was like petrified. These people kissed and their lips were stuck together like that kind of cold. Like it was like some abnormal, like ridiculous, like minus 300 degrees. It was crazy. But that's just, that's, trust me, I hate the cold, but I know that's, that's, did you always know you're going to be in entertainment? I was just curious about that. Um, I mean, I didn't know I was going to be, I knew I wanted to do it. That was kind of, uh, almost in some ways made it kind of more frustrating that I didn't know because it was, uh, you know, it was scary because I wanted to do comedy so much when I was a kid. I started doing stand-up when I was a teenager in high school. I'd go down to the comedy club and, you know, just kind of dreamed of being able to tour and do stand-up and 
maybe do a show like David Letterman someday was kind of the dream. That was my inspiration. But I didn't really know for sure if it was going to ever work out, you know. So it was probably about 10 years in Canada of trying all sorts of different things and and uh, that, you know, eventually led to me getting picked up by MTV. But that was the big break was when MTV came along. I wasn't driving a Porsche in Canada, that's for sure, when I was doing my show up there. <laughs> when I was living in my parents' basement in Canada and uh, driving a beat-up Ford LTD with, uh, you know, rusted-out fenders. But, you know, it was cool. I mean, it was, it was good enough at the time. It got me where I needed no, to go. Man, nice, nice, nice. So is it true that you used to be a rapper? Yeah, well, that was one of the things I did when I was a teenager. I, I kind of started this rap group with my buddy from high school, and we did a lot of shows around town, and we'd open up for all the punk rock bands in Ottawa, and, and we were kind of trying to do like a Beastie Boys kind of thing. And uh, you know, uh, I mean, we lo- we love Public Enemy and Tribe Called Quest and Gangstar, and we you know I was I was really into hip hop, like I still am, but you know, I was right. back in the day, like it was. It was before hip hop was really mainstream. Oh so, yeah, come on. You know, so I sort of started this show in uh, college radio when I was in high school. It was like the only rap music radio show in Ottawa. So I was playing all the the rap music and hip hop that nobody really was getting on the radio in, in Canada. So it was super cool. But I started, you know, working summer jobs so I could afford to buy a drum machine or a sampler. So I had a pretty cool little studio set up. And, um, I, you know, recorded all this stuff in my, you know, in my studio, in my bedroom, in my parents' basement, you know, and, uh, you know, that sounds really hardcore by the way, you know, yeah, I did this record. I did this record in my parents' basement. Oh my God. That sounds pretty fucking, you, uh, it's pretty you, street, you know? Can you still spit? Can you spit some of the story? Are you just, you don't fuck with it anymore? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, sometimes I like to kind of like record stuff and mess around, but, uh, yeah, I've never been much of a freestyler, but I just like to kind of, kind of write stuff. I like to produce stuff, you know. So oh, for dope. me, it's kind of fun to like the last year. What I've been, or last couple of years, what I've been really getting into is really kind of trying to dial in my production skills. With you know, I record in Pro Tools and Ableton Live, and so I kind of sequence everything in Ableton, and then I I dump it into Pro Tools and I do my vocals and stuff in there and. Yeah, I kind of try to write some goofy songs and, you know, try to, you know, spit some goofy lyrics here and there. But uh, but for me, the real kind of thrill of it is honestly just trying to get the recording figured out. I love that, you know. It's tough, dude. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I was a fucking head of A&R for a long time. It's A&R, people don't understand that, you know, that means artist and repertoire. And back in the day, you know, in the music business, usually A&Rs knew how to play a musical instrument or something. So for me, it was like, you know, I was a DJ, you know, I messed with the drum machine and everything else. But like Dr. Dre... You know, he had taught me a few things and, and then he kind of discouraged me because uh, he felt like since I never asked him to become a producer, I just wasted this entire time being there and being under his wing. And that right there just kind of like it crushed everything with me. And I, at that point, I was like, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore because I was like, fuck, I wasted so many years. I didn't want to try to play catch up, which was stupid because I could have did something with it. But in a way, man, I'm so glad I got out of music. I hated it. But um. Um, what are your favorite hip hop? Like, what, who are your favorites in hip hop? Well, like some of them I mentioned, like when I was, you know, I first discovered, I always go back to the stuff that I was listening to when I discovered it, you know, I discovered, you know, the first rap song I heard was Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight, which is probably everybody's first rap song they ever heard. But, uh, but you know, I really got into it when Run DMC came out. For sure. And then it, it kind of really crossed over into something different, though. 
because Run DMC, you know, they got pretty big, pretty mainstream, pretty fast, and everybody started listening to uh, rap music, you know. And then I started really kind of looking into sort of more of the the unknown stuff up in Canada, like Boogie Down Productions was big for me. I, when I heard Criminal Minded Record, I thought, wow, this is, this is amazing. This is kind of like a glimpse into a whole other universe that for we don't sure, really man. know much about, you know, up in Ottawa, right? And uh, that record, yeah, that record was cool. I, you know, like I was saying, we like we didn't have the internet, so you know it's so much different back then. Like you Come know, we had, on, to you, find- had to, you had to get on wax. You know what I'm saying? Like rest in peace, Scott LaRock. I mean, it was a Criminal Minor was a fucking amazing album. Poetry was, I mean, that fucking album was heavy. Like that was real, real, real SP 1200. That was like hard hitting shit. Eight away. Yeah, I remember we just sort of like, you know, you'd see the video on Much Music for you know the bridge is over, and it was you know in that sort of grimy hip-hop club and I, I guess they were in the South Bronx somewhere and it was just like you're kind of like looking through a window into another world that you're not familiar with and it was just amazing you know because now people have the internet everybody can see everything back then it was kind of it was really super exciting to listen to hip-hop then of course you know Eric B and Rakim and yeah. it was uh, taboo back then bro you know what I mean it was yeah yeah it was just kind of like then it just kind of became like you know kind of really exciting you know i remember hearing eric b and rakim for the first time and just thinking you know just hearing the beats too and just hearing the of course rakim's rapping but just the music you know the sampling the way they did all of the come on the man production. when i heard rakim say you thought i was a donut you tried to glaze me bro my life changed at that point like it was come on it's ridiculous <laughs> dude yeah yeah no, um, was, did you know that the, the bum bum song was gonna be huge like you know it's gonna fucking blow up like that you know i did not i did not predict that um <laughs> You know, we certainly tried to make it happen. It was sort of a prank, you know, like, let, like let's make the stupidest song ever and then tell people to call Carson Daly and, and try to get it to number one in America. So that was kind of like the premeditated idea. You know, my show was kind of doing real good on MTV at the time and the audience really got behind it. I think they kind of thought it was funny to kind of mess with Total Request Live. And so, uh, so yeah, it went to number one that week, and uh, it actually ended up being the most downloaded song of the year on Napster uh, in 1999 because, well, basically because it wasn't for sale because it wasn't even really a song for real. I mean, it was, <laughs> you know, we just did it as a skit for our show, and then all of a sudden, you know, it became the number one downloaded song of the year because uh, it was the only place you could get it was pirated, so. yeah. Did you ever get to meet Eminem by any chance? You know, I met him like real briefly, but I haven't really ever gotten to hang out with him. But, you know, he did a, he did an impression of me on MTV, which was hilarious. Yeah, no. And, uh, you know, like he actually was dressed up as me and was out like with a megaphone and doing all this stuff. And, and, uh, and I met him like real quick. Like he, I'm sure he, you know, it's one of those things where it was like a backstage at an awards show kind of thing. And he was walking on stage and I was walking off stage and kind of looked at him for, holy crap, it's Eminem, you know. But it was it was interesting because at the time, you know, when the Slim Shady song came out and he was rapping about me and he was like, I just want to go on TV. I remember I was driving and my radio was on and I heard Eminem come on. I hadn't heard the song before. Nobody told me it was that I was name dropped in the song. And all of a sudden, I'm listening on the radio, and I hear, I just want to go on TV and let loose, but I can't. But it's cool for Tom Green to hop a dead moose. My bum is on your lips. My bum is on your lips. And I'm like, what? That, did he just say, what did he just say? And you know, I couldn't rewind it, so I was like, kind of 
<laughs> kind of what the fuck did he just say? But you know, uh, it was super cool. I mean, like, like he actually let me, uh, you know, through his people licensed that song slim shady to me for my movie, Freddie got fingered, which Legendary was cool. movie, by the way. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a crazy movie. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, you know, Marshall's a cool dude. Um, you know, I was head of A&R at Aftermath Entertainment. So, um, when we signed Eminem, that was like, he saved the label. Um, but yeah. that cool dude had some crazy fucking nights with him, had some crazy fucking parties. Um, totally different person now, I'm sure. Haven't heard or anything from him in, in forever, in like a very long time. Outside of that, so how did you decide to do a prank show? Like what made you want to do pranks? Well, it was kind of like, like I said, like I was like a huge fan of uh, Letterman, right? So it was really kind of like a, it was like a talk show that I wanted, was really trying to do a crazy talk show, you know? And so, you know, we didn't really even really call them pranks so much when we did the Tom Green show. Like that's sort of a, some of the stuff was pranks, but a lot of the stuff in the show was just really me out in the street doing weird interviews, you know, and weird, like weird stuff. Cause like, we didn't really hide the camera on the Tom Green show. That was one thing that like always kind of, I think defined a prank show to me is when you hide the camera and go, oh, true. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You know? But it was, they were pranks. They were definitely pranks on my parents. You know, those were pranks. Like they'd come home and, you know, I'd painted the house plaid or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, but, you know, back then it was kind of like, I mean, I used to love watching Letterman when he would go out in the street when you walk out of the studio and he'd go do something on the street, you know? Yeah. And so that was kind of like the inspiration. And then I was also a skateboarder. So like, you know, I watched a lot of skateboarding videos. You know, it was like the early days of, uh, of video cameras, right? Right. And I kind of like... Camcorder. Yeah, I kind of realized like, hey, this is the first time like, you know, you could really make a TV show without like... Um, Having a studio. There being any rules, yeah. you know? Like we, could, we, were, we were doing it without an, even a television network at first, you know? We were just doing it on our own. So, so we were kind of really trying to push ourselves to make it like the craziest thing we'd ever seen which uh which was why the show was so weird you know i mean i was fucking addicted to that show there was this fucking dvd called bum fights man i was fucking obsessed with that shit i was yeah you remember that or no i do yeah we had them on my show you know the thing is is like i had a sort of a i always thought that that was a little bit mean uh, uh, a little no. a little bit uh, yeah. being the sort of a uh, understatement but uh <laughs> <laughs> you know and that was kind of like, to me, I always sort of felt that that was kind of like the line that I didn't want to cross on my show was, you know, where people were actually being kind of taken advantage of like that, you know? Right, now I hear you. But I remember, I remember when I saw that show for the first time, I was, I sort of said like, oh, you know, holy shit, like, you know, what the hell's happening here in our, in our world, you know? Because I, I knew that, that what we'd been doing was sort of set off this kind of idea of going Dude, out in you the guys street sparked with a, so much shit bro like yeah all of a sudden a lot of people were going out in the street with video cameras because the show got so big on mtv that all of a sudden there was a lot of stuff like that happening and when i saw that i just thought geez you know that's definitely a, a sort of a very mean spirited kind of take on what we were trying to do you know i always liked it when it was like i liked it when people got mad for like really sort of unnecessary reasons you know like like we tried, we was one bit called Undercutter's Pizza, where I tried to deliver a pizza to a guy, and I followed the pizza guy to the place he was delivering the pizza to. And when he got there, 
I pulled out a pizza. I was dressed as a pizza guy, and I tried to sell the pizza for my pizza for cheaper to somebody, <laughs> and you know, undercut the pizza guy, right? And then you know, the then the guy I'm trying to sell the pizza to, you know, gets mad at me and he's chasing me with a hammer, and he wants to kill me because I'm trying to sell him a cheap pizza, you know, <laughs> and that. That to me was funny because it was just like there was sort of no logic to it, right? Like, why is a guy trying to kill me with a hammer because I'm trying to give him a deal on a pepperoni and cheese pizza? You know, that doesn't make any sense. But, you know, it was just because I was being really fucking annoying. You know, that's why that's why he wanted to kill me with a hammer. I was on his property, you know, uh, spilling cheese all over the place. So anyways, that was kind of like what was fun for me is finding ways of getting people upset. But then when they really sort of took a step back, realized that I hadn't actually done anything wrong, really. They were just overreacting. So I mean, so how does that feel? I mean, you influence so many people there. Look, dude, Borat just came out. You know, the um, there's no Sasha Baron Cohen without Tom Green. How do you feel like you influence all these people to do shit like this? Well, you know, I don't know if I influenced him, but I definitely love Borat. I think he's amazing. And uh, he's certainly uh, taken the political uh, commentary to a uh, brilliant level. I haven't seen the new one yet, but I've heard oh it's amazing. God, it's so, so fucking good, dude. Yeah, yeah. I've seen all the other ones, and I just I love him. So <laughs> I've met him before, and I've told him so, and I think he's great. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's like I, I think part of what it is is like, you know, I just happen to be, you know, the right age at the right time, and I happen to want to really pursue video and filmmaking and and I just happened to be, you know, in my 20s in the 90s, you know, when all that stuff was happening. So it just kind of worked out. I mean, bro, we're the same age. You know, you're a year older than me and it's like, it's fucking crazy. I just, I feel the same way. I feel like we grew up in the best fucking era ever. Like literally, you got to see the internet happen. We got to see all this other shit. You wanted to get porn, you had to go get a fucking penthouse or a Playboy. And just the way that we had to see things and just writing notes to chicks in class and things like that. It's just so fucking awesome. And I just love that. You know, I don't give a fuck if I'm almost 50. Like, I just love the era we grew up in. Yeah, you know, it's like sometimes I wonder, like, was it something that was so extraordinarily new or was it just because we were young that it was exciting? Like, you know, like, do you think maybe like, you know, like in like 30 years from now, like people our age will be saying, man, you know, back in 2020, it was so dope, man. Like you didn't have flying cars yet. We had no teleportation. We had to actually like drive places. We couldn't like instantly beam ourselves onto Mars, you know, like, I mean, maybe 2020 seems real primitive compared to what it, what it's going to be in 30 years from now, you know? So, but you know, like, I agree with you though. <laughs> right. Like, you know, I, I definitely am glad I grew up in the in the time I did, you know, it was definitely a huge turning point, like just with the internet being new, electronics, all video games, everything being kind of new, you know, that was such a, a massive shift in the way uh, art and and uh, and technology all kind of merged together. Nah, for sure. So let me ask you, so you were on Celebrity Apprentice, I just realized that, right? That was, what year was that? <sighs> You know, I don't know, but it was probably about like 15 years ago or something like that. I don't know, 10, oh, 12, shit. So it wasn't, it wasn't with Donald Trump then? It was with Donald Trump, yeah. Oh, yeah. it was? Yeah, it was, yeah. Don, <laughs> the, Donald oh, Trump fired man. me. The, uh, the president <laughs> fired me. Bro, he's, he's, okay, first of all, I've been obsessed with this whole fucking election. I fucking hate Donald Trump. I, I know him. I've had three or four different fucking 
one degree of separation relationships with this guy. Like, I mean, I'm just, I'm tied to him in many different ways, unfortunately. But what do you think of Donald Trump, bro? I, I got to fucking hear this. Do you have any crazy stories? Like, break it down, dog. Well, well he fired me because I went out drinking with Dennis Rodman on the night I was the project manager on The Celebrity Apprentice. So, you know, that was, that was just, just that sentence has always seemed funny to me. But, you know, uh, look, I mean, it was pretty wild seeing him become the president because yeah. you know i'd remember hanging out with him in the hallway you know when i was doing that show and thinking you know well, i just remember thinking boy this guy's pretty intense you know he's really <laughs> you guys never hung he out really is he is really has taken this this show really seriously the way he's like <laughs> screaming at people in the boardroom and i'd like i could kind of tell like he wasn't like joking around like he really seemed like he was really actually really really mad at me you know and i'm, I'm like you know like you what never, are you so mad about like it's a tv show you know you know obviously you know i'm just goofing around you know like why are you screaming at me but uh <laughs> you guys never guess, hung out you guys never smoke weed together nothing uh i don't think he smokes weed i don't think he's uh, i mean maybe he does but i i was I think that was the thing is I got this impression that he's pretty straight edge guy. And that's kind of why he got real mad at me and fired me because I was the project manager. You see, Ben, I had to sell wedding dresses. That was the challenge. I had to sell wedding dresses. And, uh, you know, my team was up against like Joan Rivers and Khloe Kardashian and, uh, and others. And, uh, we had to do a competition to sell wedding dresses. And then my team, uh, consisting of Dennis Rodman and, uh, Jesse James and uh, others, they rebelled against me. They mutinied on me, you see, Ben. And so, like, they weren't doing their jobs as, like, when, you know, Clint Black, the country singer, was in charge of advertising, and he refused to do any advertising. So, you know, we lost, and now they tried to throw me under the bus as the project manager. And so I was kind of bummed out that I knew I was going to get fired, so I went out drinking with Dennis Rodman and got pretty loaded it was a lot of fun, but then I slept through my alarm the next day and uh, showed up late to, you know, quote, unquote, work, right? And uh, then the president of the United States screamed at me and fired me. So that's what happened. <laughs> Did you say anything back to him? You'd be like, yo, fuck you. Don't talk to me like this. I'm a grown man. Fuck yourself. No, no. I was kind of like, oh, okay. You know, uh, all right. See, you. actually, I mean, I actually do have an answer to that question because it wasn't immediately. It was more of a delayed response. The next day, I wrote him a letter, handwritten letter on, on Trump Tower stationery because we were staying in Trump Tower. They, they put us all up in the Trump Hotel or whatever. And I wrote him a letter and I said, you know, dear Mr. Trump, you know, I know I, know I probably shouldn't have gone out drinking on the night I was the project manager, but I thought it would be funny for the show. And I'm a comedian and I'm trying to do funny things so that your show's successful. And then I kind of wished him luck. And anyways, then I got a call the next day and Trump, I guess, dug the letter and he brought me back on the show. So, you know, I mean, at the time, that seemed like sort of a small victory, you know. That's <laughs> just, big. That's a legendary story right there, bro. Yeah. But, you know, then, then years later, you go, oh, this is the most polarizing president in the history of the United States. And you kind of sometimes go like, geez, I'm not even sure how I should tell this story, you know. Fuck that guy. <laughs> I mean, look, dude, I have like like actual people I'm friends with, they're politically involved with them, you know? So it's like, they don't like the way I talk about them on the podcast, 
Michael Rapport goes fucking heavy on him. Like I go, I, you know, we, we call him Dick Stain Donald Trump. I was thinking about having his son on the show because uh, Donald Trump's son dates my friend and she happens to be his, the Donald's, one of Donald's uh, campaign managers too. And her brother, Kimberly Guilford, her brother Tony is, is my dog. So it's just like a weird thing right now, especially all the tension going on because of what is actually going on right now in real time. This is, I just looked it up on the internet. I was like, yo, this motherfucker was on Celebrity Apprentice. I'm wondering, was he on it with Trump? Jesus, that's crazy. Well, what's kind of sad about what's happened, you know, I grew up in Canada, obviously, I'm Canadian, but uh, I also uh, became an American citizen last year, so I'm also American now. Congrats. And thank you, thank you. And, you know, I love America, and it's been great to me here. I love Canada, too. And, you know, I, I, I love all people, and, and, and I've toured. I've been to every city, every state of the United States doing stand-up in the last, you know, decade or so. And uh, been to you know every every everywhere in this country, you know. That's awesome, and dude. Right, yeah, and right now I'm out in my van traveling around everywhere. You know, I'm going to all the national parks and going to all the beautiful places and doing photography. And you know, I put a lot of my I'm starting to put my photography up on my Instagram and 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 talking about it on my podcast. And you know, and and I, I like being out there in America and seeing the whole the whole country because I feel like it helps me kind of communicate with everybody who's listening more effectively. And also I just love it. I love being in nature and stuff. Man, dude, so, I mean, what did you think when I told you I have a conversion, man? I thought that was amazing. But I mean, you have every car, don't you? So that's <laughs> no, that not, not really much, not really much of a surprise. You know, you, you, you probably have a conversion Bentley probably, right? You know, <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is it was like, it was always a, sitting in traffic being it's a fucking nightmare and that that and everything I'm like yo you know with covid now like fuck this i want my own bathroom i want to be able to pull over and fucking have a fucking office have a jet van you know and just be and have that and that's just the sickest thing by the way one of my boys he started a crew called van culture and he just you know he's big on instagram now he's you know he's, he does all these crazy ass vans from like you know more more so like uh japanese like dropping them making them low and, and putting on wheels and doing other stuff but he does conversion stuff too and it just was something i was like you know man i would love to travel the world i just have three children so it's tougher and i would i want to travel with them especially with covid now we could just zoom class in, in the van but um it's not big enough for all of us i mean not for a trip like that at like a long duration yeah 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 i love it it's been amazing i mean i'm I've been really just seeking out really remote places and, you know, next, uh, next week I'm going to be driving out through Arizona and uh, New Mexico and I'm going to be looking for, uh, you know, ghost towns and, uh, doing some photography out there. And, Let me ask you something. Hold on, man. Hold on. Wait a second. When you're driving out there, right. And you, when you first said that, you know, when we first started talking, you're saying it gets kind of creepy out there. Do you own a gun? Well, you know, I don't really talk about it, you know, so, but, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty ready for dealing with stuff out there. But the thing that I've decided to do, you know, Ben, the way I deal with conflict, okay, All right. is, is in a very Canadian way, okay? <laughs> okay? I don't get into the conflict in the first place, right? Right. And then you don't really need to have to worry about that kind of stuff. Like, I have very good sort of spider senses and I keep my sort of, you know, attention very, very focused on my surroundings. So I generally just don't let people that I think are going to be negative, like get close to me in the first place. But know? I mean, you're, you're out in the desert, let's say, you know, you're out in a fucking random ass area, unsolved mystery fucking type town. And some random ass person knocks on the door of the van. What do you do? 
Well, here's the thing. Like, first of all, I really am going to really remote places. So, you know, I think, and I, I know we grow up like watching these horror movies and you know, <laughs> they, people, people go out to the campground and then there's a murderer there. Right. Right. But really like, I kind of think you're more likely to get murdered in the city, you know, cause there's just like way more people who are running around murdering people, you know? Uh, but when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you know, it's just, I'm really going to places where there's not really any people. And the kind of people that you would encounter out there are people that are, are, are you know, they're more outdoors people and nature type people. Okay. people. And they're not the kind of people that come up and go, hey, let's go murder the guy in that van, you know? No, I'm just um, saying, like, if someone just knocked on you, he, I didn't say he was a murderer. I'm just saying, what would you do if someone just knocked you at a remote place? It's quiet as shit, chilling with Charlie, and someone just knocked on the door of the van. Would that well, startle first you? Well, the door's locked. Like at night when I'm sleeping, the doors are locked, right? right? Uh, if they started trying to smash into the van, I'd probably just start the engine and drive away. Maybe even okay. run them over, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, man. That's, I like the look at, man. That's just your whole aura. I can feel it through the fucking phone. Like, that's cool, man. That's, that's good. The way, just your energy, the way you even answered that, how you said, I just don't get into conflict and things like that. I, I love that. I mean, I don't. Well, because the thing is, is like, here's the thing. Like, this is my feeling. Like, the second, like, you walk towards danger, right? You're increasing your chances of, of being An you know, affected by it. No, I'm joking. You know, so, to me, it's like, if I get a sense that somebody wants to cause harm to me, like, for instance, if they're banging on my van in the middle of the night, I don't go towards that. I don't open the door and say, hey, what are you doing there, asshole? Why are you banging my van? <laughs> yeah. you know, now the guy's going to, like, you know, do something to me because right. you know, I've, I've raised the tension. I try to de-escalate. I try to get, you know. No, and, so, you know what? That's actually a really good lesson, especially me being such a grown man. Sometimes I kind of like it's really bad that I try to manifest it. I'm like, I wish a motherfucker would come through here right now because it would just, I'd make a John Woo movie right now on this motherfucker, Quentin yeah, Tarantino. Well, it's, it's hard to do because, you know, like when your adrenaline gets going, right, you know, then you, you know, tend to, I mean, we've all been in that situation, especially when we're younger where, you know, you get in a fight or whatever and somebody gets mad and then all of a sudden you're in a fight, you know, and everything happens so fast. And, you know, because somebody say someone attacks you and then you fight back and all of a sudden you're in a big fight. And it happens so fast because of your adrenaline and, you know, you can sort of wake up from that and have done something that you can't take back, you know? So you're right. So I, I'm, I'm real careful because, you know, life's too short, you know, there's, you know, I, I, you do, want, everything can change on a dime just by making some spontaneous, you know, bad decisions. So I, I tend to try to be pretty, pretty calm about that kind of stuff and steer clear of that kind of trouble, you know? No, you're, you're a good man, Tom. That, that's legit. I appreciate that, man. Um, totally I also opposite. have bear spray too. It's also good to have bear spray. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally, uh, just completely opposite. Now we get to get out of that whole energy. Yeah. Listen, have you yeah, ever I've been... got a lot of knives too? That's the other thing. So, you know. have you ever but, been starstruck uh, before? Have you ever been like, what the fuck? I can't. I just met this person. Yeah, I'm starstruck right now, man. I'm talking to Ben Baller, man. On, man. I, you know, yeah, that's amazing. You know, I, I got to get iced out. You know, Come on, man. I'm being serious. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I need like an iced out grill or something. No, nah, man, you definitely don't need that. <laughs> like, okay, who else in the movie industry have you got to kick it with? You know, I know obviously you got to kick it with fucking uh, Todd Phillips and everything. You know, you guys did road trip together. And it's funny because two of my friends were in that movie. Well, I'm sorry. One of my friends and then one of my classmates was in that movie. That's two different things. I had to say friend too loosely. Um, Amy Smart is, uh, me and Amy have been friends for fuck forever. And then uh, 
Breck and Meyer went to my high school. Yeah, those they're awesome. I mean, I, that was so much fun. I mean, Todd Phillips really kind of took a chance on me because I'd never been in a movie before, you know, and he just kind of, you know, has, he liked my show on MTV. And that was kind of the first time. I'd been in one movie before as a little sort of small part of the Superstar movie, with Molly Shannon's Superstar. But oh, I, yeah, really I saw that. Been, I didn't remember that. I didn't, I didn't remember yeah, I just had that. a small thing in it. But that was even before MTV. And But I hadn't really been doing films and stuff. And Todd kind of came and, and sort of gave me that shot at that, which was really kind of an amazing thing. And so, yeah, that was really cool. And, uh, yeah, Brecken and uh, Amy and everybody on the cast you know were what? You, awesome. just, you just totally just gave me an idea. This is crazy. Did, have you ever auditioned for a movie and not get the part? Like, was there, that ever happened? You know, that's the, the thing about, I mean, I, I suppose I probably have, but I haven't done like a lot of auditions over the years because I never really kind of pursued acting was never a, the thing that I was pursuing. It was always more, I was more interested in, in, in the television stuff. And then right. these sort of film opportunities would come to me because I had the show, but, but maybe I'm sure I have auditioned for a few things and not got the part. I don't audition for many things though. I just tend to, I, I didn't think you like would. To, it was I, just... I, I, I kind of like to try to create my own sort of weird stuff, you know, and just that's what I've always done. But, but uh, you know, I tell you, like to answer your question, you know, like like I get starstruck and nervous every time I meet somebody that I kind of respect and admire and and have you know seen on television or grew up listening to their music and you know and and so hosting this show, you know, my interview podcast or. I've done different podcasts over the years and shows where I've gone to interview a lot of amazing people. And it's always kind of like, sort of like, an, it's kind of like a thrill, you know, it's like an adrenaline rush for me, you know, like to really, Hey, Charlie, stop it. Come on. Come on, baby. Come here. Stop it. Come here. You know, so it's always been kind of, uh, kind of the fun part about interview doing interviews is you get to meet a lot of crazy no, people sure. that, I thought you'd get to talk to. And so let me, cool. let me ask you about the podcast then. If you could have anyone on your podcast, right, who would you want to interview on the Tom Green interview? Like if you had just your dream guest? Well, uh, I suppose I would love to interview David Letterman, I think. That would be a pretty amazing thing. Because I, you know, I grew up just like loving his, his show. And, and Did you ever his, do his show? Yeah, I did a few times. I got to guest host his show. Oh, shit. Well, no. so. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, so that that would be amazing, you know, just because I'd, I'd have a million really in-depth questions about, you know, the art of the talk show that I'd love to sort of have a conversation with him about. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think Maybe it'd be kind of fun to interview Queen Elizabeth. That would be pretty cool, too. <laughs> that would be fucking sick. That'd be yeah. how crazy, I mean, you know. I mean, she's had a pretty good life, you know. We could talk about everything, you know. Yeah, I know. Do you ever meet Harvey Weinstein? I feel like that's part of our era and stuff. I remember seeing out when I went to Cannes one time, I seen him and stuff. Just curious. I don't really know him. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, uh, whatever happened to that guy anyway? I think he's still in jail, dude. Oh, yeah. No, I was just kidding. I heard, I heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, tell me, what, what, what's the craziest party you ever went to in Hollywood? I don't know. Like, you know, all the crazy parties happened when I was in high school, actually. There was always this kid in high school every year. It's a different kid every year. But for some reason, every year, some kid would throw a party at his parents' house when his parents were gone. And he'd invite everybody in the city. And then everyone would just come and steal everything from his house, you know? Like, they, they'd, be like they'd be like throwing – it'd be like the middle of the winter. And, like, you know, they, it was like, you know, every window would be open and people would be like – 
throwing VCRs out into the snowbank because, you know, <laughs> VCRs were like a hot commodity back then in the 80s, you know? Man. You could walk out a... You could walk out of like uh, Darren Hildebrand's Christmas party with a free VCR. I mean, you were like killing it, you know. But uh, you know, I mean, I, I, as in, in LA, I mean, I don't know. I I, I never really kind of sort of seeked out crazy parties. I mean, I've always sort of been kind of just doing my thing. But I don't know, just they've been pretty typical. To, I, I don't know. You you got to invite me to some good parties, Ben. I don't, I don't know. What, I, I'm, I'm old. I, I got to go get out, out of the house more. I used to go out a lot. I was a DJ, you know. I was going out all the time and. Obviously, the good old Brent Bolt house days and shit and going out, which um, actually, you know what? Fuck this. We'll talk about this, man. You know, what? I got a question. You were married to uh, to Drew Barrymore. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. You, yeah, yeah. You did her yeah, show and, recently. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. How did you meet Drew? I met Drew when she asked me to be in Charlie's Angels, actually. Speaking of movies that I... I, I hey, shout out to in. my old boy, McGee. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, McGee was great. So he's he's awesome. So we had a lot of fun doing that um, with McGee too. He was we had some funny. Like I've known McGee for also thirty years or so. He's my boy. It's crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you still talk to him much? Say what's up. I haven't haven't talked talked to him him in a few years. I talked to Mark every so often. McGrath, Um, one of my best friends in my entire life, DJ Homicide. He's the guy who produced all the Sugar Ray records, and he's the only black guy in the group and and everything. And and I met McGee when they're obviously you know when they're before even Sugar Ray, but um, I haven't seen him in like last time I saw him in Laker game. Yeah, he's great. But, you know, that's when I met Drew. And, uh, you know, it was a fun, a fun time, you know, exciting time. That was back, you know, in, the t- in 2000 when I was we were talking about earlier when I first moved here. But it was cool, you know, because Drew's got this amazing new talk show now. And, uh, you know, she's on every day doing this daytime show. And she's hilarious on there. And uh, I just just went on the show and I actually hadn't seen her in, you know, like 15 years or something like that. So, it was pretty cool TV appearance, like just from that, like very real perspective, you know, like there's not often you can kind of sort of, I've done a lot of TV shows over the years and done a lot of talk shows. And that's the first time I've ever been on a talk show where I was sort of being interviewed by my ex-wife who I hadn't seen in 15 years. So it was pretty cool, you know, and we had a good time and, and, uh, it was kind of nice to reconnect with her and I'm really happy for her, uh, with her new show and stuff. It's, it's really cool. Super random, man. Since you guys were married, did you ever meet Steven, <laughs> Steven Spielberg? It's just funny. I just thought about it because since they're related, I was like, you know what? I never met Steven Spielberg, no, but uh, I love his movies. <laughs> no, for sure, man. What's the craziest thing you've ever purchased in your lifetime? Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't really have this sort of extravagant lifestyle, you know? I mean, to me, like, the idea of, of, of something really exciting to buy is like a camera or something like that. You know, I've like really, or, or some of my drum machines or music. I mean, do you gear. have a Hasselblad camera? Do you have like something crazy like that? Uh, at the moment I'm shooting with a Leica, which okay. is what I, what I shoot a lot of my, uh, film stuff on. And like M7, M8, something. And M6, just an, it's an M6. I've had it for 20 years, you know. But uh, and then I'm shooting on video. I'm shooting on this new Sony AS7 III, which I love, which I just came out. And uh, that's something that I really, really am excited about right now is my new Sony AS7 III camera. I mean, it's amazing. And I've got some new lenses for it. So it's not really crazy, but for me, it's crazy because it's like I'm going like, wow, this is 
this f-log footage really looks dope you know so like i, I get off on like that kind of like video shit you know because i've been kind of a video geek for a long time but you know like you know i mean like i guess the fact that i own i own a house seems pretty crazy because you know i grew up when i was a kid you know growing up i was you know always just worried about like you know being able to like look after myself and and uh you know was really kind of worried about you know whether or not i was going to ever be able to like support myself so That's you know real. i guess that might be the coolest thing that i ever did was bought was being able to buy a house and actually support myself you know i feel pretty pretty good about that i mean have you lived in the same house in the last 20 years or have you i've had, i've been in the same house now for 17 years yeah yeah holy and, shit uh, yeah it's the longest i've ever lived anywhere is the house i'm in now in los angeles but uh but I had a house before that, you know, for a couple of years too. So congrats, but, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, so this this is a business podcast. You know, a lot of people don't they get that because they think like, oh, the jewelry dude, the music guy, sneakers, whatever, cars and shit. But this is a business podcast because you know I came from nothing, and I worked at Burger King or whatever, and then I've obviously I've um I've amassed this wealth and and or no, I don't really think I think I'm financially secure. I don't consider myself rich or anything else. If anything, I feel like I'm rich in love, right, and wealthy in love. But um. I'm just curious, man. You know, it's been 20 years, right? Not saying it's been 20 years since you've been, you've been obviously famous for a long time. But if you could tell my listeners, what's the secret to making the money stretch or making the like, have you invested in anything? Have you like, what have you done to, how do I say, man? What's, why am I can't, I don't know why the fuck I'm being, I'm being stupid right now. Um, like, so just to maintain, to make sure your lifestyle doesn't change at all whatsoever. Like, what have you done? Is there a secret? Is there anything, you know, have you just been humble with everything? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, the first off is, you know, I, I've i been fortunate to have some some good years and some success. And, uh, and you know, and, and I've worked hard. The last 10 years I've been touring full-time doing stand-up until the pandemic. So I just keep working. I keep pushing myself, you know. I don't kind of sort of take days off and, and get lazy and sort of and then the other thing is is you know I, I just I try not to I try not to spend too much money to be honest with you because you know I just uh I have this sort of conservative kind of fear of like you know going broke you know like I, I grew up without I didn't have money growing up I worked at Dairy Queen you worked at Burger King I worked at Dairy Queen, you know? it's like we were like the royal family of burgers you know but uh but, uh, you know, like I, uh, you know, I can make a peanut buster parfait better than anyone, by the way. You know, I'm like the best peanut buster parfait. You know, you put, I put like way more fudge than is supposed to be in like the actual required amount of fudge. I like double the fudge. So that's like, it's amazing. Everybody used to come to my Dairy Queen to get the peanut buster parfaits when I was working because I was killer at that. I, ca- I probably could have kept doing that, but, you know, I, I decided to, to get into comedy. But, but, um, no, I mean, you know, so that's always been kind of, I think one thing is like, I kind of like try to live, live below my means, you know, and not, not to, I try not to buy too many, you know, extravagant things, you know, cars certainly is something that can really like, you know, set you back. If you spend all your money on cars, like they don't, they don't tend to go up in value yeah, very often. You got to be smart you know? with it. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's in, invest in wisely I've, I've always had a good business manager so i try I, I don't really make like my own investments i don't you know i i have a, a business manager who is you know people that 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 do that and invest in sort of things that are you know hopefully going to uh you know 
make money. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty conservative with that. I don't go. I don't. No, I'm that's good. That's that really, I don't really go good. and play the stock market and do all sorts of risky kind of things. I just kind of tend to uh, try to just not blow it. You know. No, I feel you. That's, <laughs> it's it's so common in Hollywood. People who have some good years. I mean, there's that guy from the Cosby Show. You saw him. He was bagging groceries for Trader Joe's, and he was. It is what it is. It's it's a crazy town that we live in. Um, uh, super random, man. Do you own a Rolex? I don't. I do not own a Rolex. I would. I would always wanted to get one, but I don't have one. <laughs> All right, yo, Tom, man. Listen, man. This has been fucking amazing. And um, the last question I ask every single guest that comes on the show is: Is there anything that you'd like to ask me? Anything I would like to ask you? Yes. Like if I was going to get like iced out, right? <laughs> right. What would be like the first thing that I should get? Like, should I get like the gold? diamond grill with rubies on it or or should i get like a ring or uh a chain or because i don't really that's one thing that i don't really i just can't see you with a chain i can't see you with the bracelet i can't see you with the watch um no, it, really it would, can't see, like even a bracelet like even like a nice gold bracelet no. like a platinum no. gold bracelet well, okay if it was something like that it was something subtle i could see you you know a necklace something subtle that'd be fine but i think because it was for me and it's something special, and you're you're like a um, a, a fucking trailblazer, man. You're such a different type of person. I think it have to be a grill. It have to be something yeah. like a you know like a shiny grill that just throws somebody off and be like, you know what? It's so fucking crazy, but it's so I could totally see Tom with that diamond grill with rubies and sapphires and emeralds in it, and something just kind of just just crazy. I like that. You know, when we were teenagers and we had that rap group, we we went down to New York City for the summer, and we were recording down there. I was like 17 years old, and I remember we'd go, we'd go down to like Canal Street and 42nd Street and walk around all the jewelers there. And they used to sell those like gold caps that you could like stick over your front teeth, you know? Yeah. And we all got those. And when we came back to Canada, we all had like gold teeth, man. And everybody thought like, you know, we were pretty, pretty weird, you know, because people didn't know what that was going on. You know, back then, like nobody had gold caps on their teeth except except us, apparently. But uh but, you know, I always enjoyed that, you know, and then I've sort of sort of occasionally thought recently, you know, maybe I really do need like a diamond encrusted gold grill. You know, that, that might really do a lot for my image. Right. That might really be good for my podcast. Right. We might have to just do it. Yeah. <laughs> we might just have to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Just text me after and tell me uh, tell me how it works, because you know, I'm curious about getting a grill. Definitely. We got, we got to do that. Yo, Tom, man, I really, really cannot express because, look, I have a lot of newer people. I have people who no one's ever heard of. I have certain things. And it's it's rare that I get such a big legend on the show and especially someone who's been famous for decades. I really appreciate you coming on Behind the Baller podcast. I, I can't thank you enough, man. Oh, that's awesome, Ben. Hey, man, I'd love to interview you for my podcast, too. That would be really cool. We could get would, really into it. I would really fucking get, love to do it, dude. Anytime. I know you got a million stories, and I, we could talk. We get really into detail to talking about the the jewelry and everything too. I like I like getting really really into detail about what people do. So that no, would be definitely really- like music business. My, I was a fucking you know I, I got my degree in cinematography in school and college. So like you know I thought I was gonna be. And I never ever used it ever. Didn't fucking direct ever. Did shit, which is crazy. But um, hey man, there's still there's still time, man. Now's a good time. Just go go. <laughs> I, I'm I'm throwing myself into my photography now and. You know, I hadn't had a chance to do that in years, so I've just kind of really thrown myself back into photography. And, and uh, you know, the, I think this pandemic has 
given everybody a, a moment to take a pause and really think about what it is that we really want to do in our lives, you know? So it's, uh, it's a no time like the present, man. No, nah, for sure. That's 100% accurate for sure. So Tom, man, thank you so much. Yo, Miles, man, do me a favor, uh, throw on some of that Lakey Lake real quick and we'll be right back. When you're as busy as I am, it's important that when your head does hit the pillow, that it's on a mattress that you can count on. With my new Helix Sleep Mattress, I've been sleeping like a baby. And when I'm on the road, I miss my bed, even if I'm in a five-star hotel. What's cool is that Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Every body is unique and Helix knows that. So they have made several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot and even a Helix Plus mattress for plus size folks. I took the Helix quiz and I was matched with the Dusk Lux mattress and I love it. It's soft, but it's still really supportive. It helps me fall asleep right away. So if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz and order the mattress that you're matched to. Then the mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store ever again. Helix is awesome, but you don't need to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 and by GQ and Wired Magazine. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up from you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com baller. Just go to helixsleep.com baller, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you with a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. So, yo, um, I didn't want to start out the show with this because I can't give Dick Stane that type of airtime anymore. I can't give him that that premier airtime. You know what I mean? I got to get Biden that shit, if anything. So any dumb fuck who really thinks that Donald Trump is going to win this witch hunt and let alone win this fucking second terms is... You got to believe that Bigfoot exists or you got to believe that I have a 15 inch cock. Okay. There now in the state of Georgia will be a hand count of every ballot for the state of Georgia. Okay. Which means he loses there regardless. And maybe now he might lose by fucking more. Who knows? All right. I hope they do it in every fucking state that he's questioning. It's the stupidest shit in the world. Of course, none of the states that he won in is he questioning, right? It's fucking hilarious. People don't realize on that same fucking ballot, Mitch McConnell's on there. Why the fuck didn't they fucking fuck that up? 
It's just, it's seriously, it's so insane. I've seen all the conspiracy. This guy testifies this and blah, blah, whatever. And then there's just people uh, sitting in a fucking room. No one fucking even knows if it's fucking this year, last year, whatever. It's fucking hilarious. The death, all that crazy ass shit, the dead people, all the people just have all these conspiracy theories. Even the people who say they're cool with me, they still don't want, man, it, it is what it is, bro. You lost, dog. Right? Bro, What's hilarious is Donald lost the popular vote by over 6 million votes so far, okay? Like, oh, he won fucking Alaska. Who gives a fuck, man, <laughs> right? This is really gonna be just a shit show. He's trying to delay everything, man. Dick Stain is firing people left and right. I think he's gonna do some crazy shit to the economy, to the army. He's really just really on some other shit. Again, he even is trying, he's trying a coup, okay? He's trying to think of the proper way to word it. And anyone who knows history and the history of coups, no, coup, C-O-U-P, right? They had a coup d'etat in fucking Manila. And I remember reading about that. There's been several major ones in history. You know how they went down? They failed, okay? Or then they eventually failed. He's delaying things and wasting Good Americans time. All right, you know what the crazy thing is? He's asking for fundraisers. He's trying to get all this shit because it costs money and he can't fucking afford it. Look, it's going to be all over on January 20th. January 20th, smoking Joe Biden is going to move into the White House. He will be sworn into office as the 46th president of the United States of America. Okay, fuck out of here. So right about now, we're going to get into some Seahawks talk with our official Seahawks correspondent, Scott Ferranda. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the official behind the baller, Seahawks correspondent, Filipino, born and raised in the Seattle area, Kirkland to be exact, of Seattle, Washington, my man Scott Ferranda. What's up, Scott? 12, what's going on? What's up? How you doing, brother? I mean, I'm probably the most depressed 6-2 and two fan in Seattle. I don't think I've ever been more depressed about being 6-2 and two in my entire life, so let's do this. Yeah, man. Well... Man, you know what's crazy is, uh, all right, so across all four, well, the four major sports platforms, Bleacher Report, uh, ESPN, Fox, and whatever, all that shit, I was looking at stuff, we are ranked between six and eight in the NFL, right? Yep. I truly do think that with the loss of the Buffalo Bills, um, we're definitely, you know, at least a six, seven, you know, I don't think we're lower than seven. Right. I agree. Uh, Stephen A. Smith putting the bills at like number two or whatever. He's fucking tripping. That motherfucker's. And you know what? Each week, he really be tripping for real. Like he can't make up his fucking mind. Now, let's be honest. Let, let's just revisit that game real quick. There's nothing really to talk about it, but let's be real. Russell has two fucking key turnovers, interception and fumble, both at our 20 yard line. Mm-hmm. They turned those into, they turned both those into scores. So that right there, right, that, that's 14, and we lost by 10, right? Yep. 
Don't you think that 10-point game, they've made it seem like, oh, that game was never close and blah, blah, blah. We got within seven and tell you the truth, the momentum went one way, boom, with the shitty defense. I honestly think, I was like, yo, man, this could change one second right here and then boom, you know, stupid shit. Because they want to give the fucking Patriots like, hey, man, these guys were a fucking play away from beating the Seahawks, but they lost. And you guys are still giving Patriots all that love, but look how, they, how they've, they've performed in the last six games, Right. Look how we have. We haven't had a back-to-back -back loss. And I'm saying, we played the work, bro. We allowed the most yards ever in history, in, in our fucking history of, of, of a football game. This motherfucker, Josh, Josh Allen had a fuck, what do you have, 500 yards? Like, I'm being serious. Like, you know, I just think if we go back there, yes, we lost by 10. That's not the true, the true score of that game was, it was close. With, with our fuck-ups, that's how I feel. I'm not being delusional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you look at the the Niners game, we played against the Niners. We beat them by 10 eventually, but really, we fucking destroyed them. Do you know what I mean? Like, we let them get back in the game, whatever it may be. Yeah, I mean, they put the backup in at that point. Like, they gave up. They they started pulling all the starters. Like, luckily, Nick Mullins somehow made some kind of turnaround at the Talk end. About, he's but better than fucking Garoppolo, dude. He's fucking... Yeah. He, was, he's, <laughs> he does look a lot better than Garoppolo, for sure. Okay. But you knew when they pulled him out. It was like, all right, we already won that. So on to the next. So look, Buffalo, 100%, without any doubt. Look, there was two teams I was worried about in the beginning of the season. One of them was the Rams, and only because I got so much anxiety from Aaron Donald. Watching them play now, I'm not that worried about them. I'm sorry, I got to be real with you. I'm just not worried about the, the Rams. Seeing them lose the teams that we've beaten, whatever, I'm just not worried about them. I was worried about Buffalo. I spoke about it actively on the podcast. Spoke about it actively, you know, here. Stephon Diggs is a friend. I said, yo, man, this is fucked up. Quentin Jefferson did this to us. You know what I mean? Like, how could you, you son of a bitch? You motherfucker. I know you listen to the show, Quentin, you motherfucker. But you know what the funny thing is? Every time I talk to Quentin, he talks about how actual sad, like how you know, he's sad that he, you know, had to leave Seattle because he wanted to stay, you know, but that's up to, that was up to us. Um, so with that said, look, we lost, uh, what was our first loss? Our first loss was to the cards. Oh yeah, Cardinals. Cardinals. Okay. Mm -hmm. Look, that was, fuck that. That's ridiculous. Look, that was the stupidest shit in the world. Yeah, at that point, it was like, we, we, we lost all our chances. I was like, fuck it. Let's, we, look, we lost. Like, if we didn't lose to the Cardinals and we lost to Buffalo, they still wouldn't have put us in the top five. Because they're just on mm -hmm. that fuck shit. And people want to hate us. But people do. Listen, I started realizing more than ever this season, we got a lot of fucking Russell Wilson dick riders. That's good. There's a big support system with him. So, okay, so I'm good at seven. We're good at Santa seven, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's no other thing to talk about. Our weakest link is our defense. The crazy part is this. We have, <laughs> we have very good defensive players. Technically... Yeah, You know, there's people who would argue that the Eagles are the worst defense, the Dallas, all these other players, uh, Atlanta, whatever the fuck it may be. Like, we can't say we have the—whether I don't care. What I just saw through nine games, we've, we've allowed the most yardage in the history of the NFL. Yeah. Right? And we're going to shatter that record. We're on pace to just, like, it's about to be bad. So— So, look, you see how we play defense against, against Dolphins and, and the Niners, really— our defense to the Niners up till about maybe the fourth quarter. And the fourth quarter is when the reserves came in. We really shut them the fuck down. Without Jamal, we, we look really good. So yeah, 100%. crazy thing is Jamal's in. They're saying that there's injury issues. I'm not really, I don't know. I didn't really see that. I saw him rushing and looking good. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, here's what I think. You know, they, they can try and say it's injuries. They can try and say 
it's the players, but there's an issue when the defensive coordinator is having our linebackers match up against Stefan Diggs and he runs for 50 yards or we call an all out blitz on a first down when we're inside the 10 yard line and they run it out for 50 yards. That's not, it doesn't matter who is back there. That's a play call right there. The only time that cocksucker King fucking Norton Jr. The only time that cocksucker is ever good is when we play against the Niners because the motherfucker was a Niner. So he kind of has like some insight. Really doesn't even fucking matter because fucking, you know, it's a whole different level what's going on. Yeah. But look, even Schottenheimer, bro, it's third and 18. And you're, you're going to give Dallas the ball. You're going to give Dallas a, we're going to run the ball on third and 18. Mm-hmm. You're telling me right now you're not going to throw it to fucking Blair or to fucking to throw it to fucking Hollister or throw it to fucking Olsen or throw it to fucking Metcalf mm-hmm. or fucking Lockett mm-hmm. or yeah. fucking even Homer. You're going to give the ball to fucking Dallas. You're going to give him the ball at 30 and 18, Shadi? Really? Yeah. Okay, look. Pete used to be a defensive coordinator. All right. I want to give him some love here. Look, at, I feel like we're just the most dysfunctional like team in a certain way, we just, you know, and people are starting to lose faith. I think, I think, okay, well, okay, Shaquille Griffin, he's out. Chris Carson is out. Amadi uh, is out. Uh, who else? We haven't even seen Snacks play. Which is, that doesn't Snacks make sense. Why, why, why hasn't he played? He just, they said he needed to get in shape because he originally retired. So he needed a month to like, you know, get back in game shape so we're gonna see him this weekend but you know that's another player that we're down on and we already showed that our defensive line when me and you talked before the season that was our biggest worry it's even bigger of an issue now so we need this guy even more than ever i would look man dunbar's out yep okay um griffin not gonna lie to you you know he's not bad some of the some of the people seem to think that that trey flowers is, is doing well i still think people look at Trey as a weakness and they fucking go to that side every time. It's not a coincidence that they keep throwing to that side. You, you know how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah. You, I, you said that. I, you said that two years ago before we even fucking started. <laughs> before we started the 2019 season, before we exactly. mean we barely met. Um, but I like, what do you think of Carlos Dunlop, man? I mean, what? For his first game, he got a sack and he had a couple of QB pressures and a QB hits. Like, that's more than we've already had before the season, for the rest of the season. So, I think so too. Yeah, we've already added a great addition. So that's a great start for us. We actually have pressure from from a defensive end because I don't even know who the other guys are right now, yeah, the way that they're playing. Don't you think that's fucked up that but we had the trade deadline and we didn't make no moves? Like we should at least try to go for fucking... I know that fucking J.J. Watt was, you know, crazy here and there. But obviously, mm-hmm. most yeah. likely he would go to Pittsburgh because right now they're the contenders. And realistically, I honestly think they, they, really, they really could beat the Chiefs and go to the... The Super Bowl for the AFC. I don't give a fuck about the AFC. But what I mean is, J.J. Watt's brother does play for the Steelers. So, you know, you want to be on that team. But I think that we had something to play with. I'm just disappointed we didn't pick up anybody by the deadline, you know? Yeah, we only got, I know. Like, we got Carlos Dunlap, but that was kind of like, we knew that was going to happen even before the trade deadline. But yeah, the second the day happened, we all of us were just sitting there just waiting. Is anything going to happen? I don't know. It just kind of worries me because, like, our our defense is alarmingly bad. You'd think that we would just go all out because you know what? We have an MVP caliber player. Like, I'd be shocked if he doesn't if he doesn't win it, and he's not second. That's mind blowing how good 
Russ is playing. He's literally playing out of his mind. He and is, for but, us to but, have but this again, opportunity. They keep saying, hey, you can't expect this motherfucker to, sh- to have a shootout every week. You know, it's just not yeah, going to. Agreed. And, yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, no. look, okay, this is where the blessing comes in. We beat the Rams this Sunday. All right. I'm predicting a 28 21 score. All right. You wild. All right. I think we beat the Rams. I'm not. Aaron Donald's definitely going to come and try to kill motherfuckers, but you know what? Who the fucking, I mean, how different is he than, like, if anything, I'm worried about him less than I am about motherfucking these goddamn DBs that are coming in. You see these DBs that are coming in and blitzing? It's it's insane. They're coming mm-hmm. in with nothing. They're just coming in just, just like, bro, I forgot who it was on Buffalo, but he came in and I was like, yo, how are you not off sides? Like, I can't even believe it. We were not, like, he came in so fast on the count. I mean, it was if he knew, okay, the third hut, you know, the, the third, the cadence, he's like, all right, boom, hut, hut, boom. And he went in and I'm like, Jesus Christ. There was no time for any. There wasn't even a time to hand off a fucking. Uh, there was no time for a quarterback sneak if they're going to go forward. That motherfucker was already in there. So, I think twenty eight twenty one. That's the score I'm predicting for, for against the Rams. I'm not worried about them, man. They're they're seeming weird. So week eleven we got the Cardinals. Week twelve we got the Eagles. That's right there. Three more wins. The Giants. We should fucking crush them. Jets. That's fucking five six wins right there. On week fifteen, I, me and you will both be in Seattle. It'll be Christmas break. Mm-hmm. I'm yep. uh, going to watch us play at Washington. That's six more wins right there. Then we come back, and this is where it gets tricky. Week 16, we play the Rams at home. We don't have that 12th man advantage. Nope. To beat them twice, I don't know. So I think this. They don't beat us two times. So what I think is we end up with two or three losses for the season, which there's no way that doesn't put – we'll be number one in the NFC – that puts 100%. us, yeah. That put that puts They're, us in a very good position to, you know, I mean, at least to get a chance yeah, to get to the, the Super conference. Bowl. Yeah, for a one seed. Yeah, for sure. If we end up with three, if we just end up with three losses, there's no way. Like, the probability of us not getting the number one seed would be insane. I don't care well, no, how the, good the Packers are doing. Like, well, it's between the Packers and the Saints, but I think that Packers have Packers have two losses. So it's us, the Saints, and the Packers. We're all six and two right now. And they have us at the two seed right now behind the Saints because the Saints have more division wins because they just destroyed Tom Brady on Monday night so, or Sunday night. If we split with the Rams as we should, then we'll go 13-3 and three because our, non-conf- our non-division schedule, as far as anybody in the NFC East, we're going to sweep that. That's going to go 4-0, yeah. 100%. We just have Can to worry about our, our division. This is the yeah. crazy thing right now. Even if we do 12-4, and four, it's what we did last year. Or no, we did worse than that. I'm just saying, like, 13 and 3 is fucking amazing for the defense that we fucking have. I mean, bro, if we ever need to motherfucking put some money out there for some fuck, we, we need to try to get JJ Watt and everything else. And uh, I mean, w- where I feel with it is if we go 13 and 3, if you're a Seahawks fan out there, the last two times we went 13 and 3, we went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. That gives us the one seed. I'm sorry, we don't have the 12th, we don't have 12th man out there, but. Home field advantage still means everything. It still gives the guys that mentality that they're playing at home. They know our field. They know CenturyLink. You want our guys to feel comfortable. And 13-3 and three gets us there. So if we just win one division game, that's I, I'm just asking for – but if we split with the Rams, we're going to sweep the Niners. Niners are trash. We're going to win the four non-division games in the NFC East. We're going to get to 13-3. and 13-3 and three is going to get us to the Super Bowl. Look, dude. There's some amazing receivers out there, right? I've all, my boy Stefan Diggs is his thing here and there. 
Mm-hmm. Is there a better receiver in the fucking entire NFL, AFC, NFC, than Metcalf right now? Definitely not. Yeah. If you're single, <laughs> your first place in, against single coverage, you're leading in yards and touchdowns. That means it doesn't matter who the receiver is. You try and match up with DK Metcalf one-on-one, you're going to lose. We literally have the next coming of Calvin Johnson. He already passed. I, I'm going to say it now. He already passed Julio Jones. If you look at the numbers, if you look at the numbers in comparison to any receiver in the league, he is number one. And not just the numbers that, don't lie. When you yeah. see him catch a ball, he will stiff arm a motherfucker. He bench pressed 500 pounds. This guy is so fucking strong. He doesn't, he ain't scared of nobody, bro. And we've only seen the beginning. Think about that. This is only his second year. Yeah. He's only going to get better. Yeah, this is crazy, man. All right, well, Pate, man. Um, I hope to see you maybe before we see each other in Seattle or if we not, whatever, figure that out. But uh, mm-hmm, listen, sure. let's touch base. I know it's been a fucking, it's been a couple months, but let's touch base after this Rams game. If we lose, I'm not going to have you on the fucking show. <laughs> let's touch base after, bro. But hey, man, wait, where, where's my fucking, oh yeah, I got it. Never mind. I'm so sorry. I was about to say, where's my root hat? I got it. I'm fucking tripping. That's what I was about to say. You've been wearing it. What you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Pate. I appreciate you, fam. All right. All right. So, yo, I got an iPhone 12 Pro Max coming tomorrow. Um, I said I wouldn't, but fuck it. You know, um, I wanted the... I actually love that shape. I think that's the iPhone 4 or 5 shape, that like, square edge thing. Anyways... I was thinking about that new MacBook 2 with the new Apple processor, but I think I, I can't do another 13. I need the 16-inch. Um, back to the Pro Max, it's bigger than the 11. I wish it was one between the size of the iPad mini and the Pro Max. That'd be fucking awesome because this shit now, I mean, I use a laptop for, you know, because the keyboard and whatever and stuff, but realistically, I said this way back when I first started the podcast, my iPad Pro 13-inch, 12.9, same shit. Uh, that's like my go-to you know, because I watch movies, everything. That's like, you know, so when I have the phone, I'm on it so much because I use it for directions, I use it for everything else. You know, when I get my results, um, you know, you have it says, oh, you know, your daily use, blah, 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 whatever. I use it between nine hours and 20 minutes to almost 10 hours a day. And people are like, what the fuck's on the phone a lot? Dude, I don't watch TV yet, so at home. You know, even though I have the gigantic man cave in the background, but I kind of get all my news there. I do my phone calls. I use, it's my laptop because I don't use a laptop, Okay. Anyways, you guys won't hear about that shit. Uh, I also got a PS5 coming today. Uh, thanks to my homie, Brandon Cox. Let's see how much I actually use it. Oh, and by the way, how the fuck did I forget to mention this? Speaking of gaming and shit and PS5s and all that stuff and everything, yo, I cannot believe I did not mention this until now. Yo, shout out to my motherfucking team, my squad, my crew, FaZe Clan. FaZe the fuck up. FaZe Clan got me my Twitter account back. Thank you, Rishi, at Twitter for the assist of all people. Justin Bieber's people couldn't get it ha- to make it happen. KD's people. Haas couldn't make it happen. Yo, Rich, I love you. I'm just saying it couldn't. FaZe Clan came fucking through. If you didn't know, Twitter is my favorite of all social media platforms. It is the best. There's no other social media that comes close so good to fucking be back. I missed you guys, man. I was off for like four or five days. This motherfucker DM'd Gabrielle Union, who has been, obviously, I've told you guys, a good friend of mine for over 20 years. And 
they asked her if she wanted to model. And she was like, oh, yeah, my modeling dates are over, blah, blah. I hit her back. I was like, yo, Gabby, for really? For real? You think I'd send you that DM? And she's like, you would be fucking surprised. My friends asked me. I'm like, come on, man. And just it's just embarrassing. He, you know, um, this dumb fucking idiot who fucking hacked, fucking uh, DM'd a bunch of fucking IG thoughts. And I was like, shit, now I got that fucking open line of these stupid assholes hitting me up. But yo, so here comes two rants, you guys. All right. You guys ready? The keys to reselling. Part one. Okay. Do not buy anything that you cannot use, that you have no use for, you have no good for anything, especially in this time, this day and age. Okay. Meaning if you have no use for a money counter or you don't have cash to use to count, if you don't have cash to count or at the very least, don't want to just have a nice little gold Ben Baller money counter sitting as home or office decor. Okay. Don't fucking get one. All right. Don't buy it unless you're ready to chill on it, to sit on it and kick it. Okay. This is the problem with the resale culture today. You got guys who wear a size 12 shoe and will go buy a size seven and a half Travis Scott Jordan shoe because it's so fucking desperate. You're so desperate to make a dollar. And you know, I think you should go out there and be, you know, proactive and stuff. I get it. But this ain't it. You're so desperate that you'll get. Whatever size you can, you get a motherfucking toddler size. Just understand, this is coming from a professional who did this and became a millionaire off this. And if I had to do it again, I'd figure it out. Would I say it here? Wouldn't it be smart to. There's free game, and then there's some game that needs to be sold, or actually not even told. All right. If I ever bought multiple size runs strictly for resale, I made sure I got my size first. Because if shit didn't work out, then oh well. On to the next. And yes, it was much different in my day when I was reselling in the early 2000s, but this game is backward as fuck. When I sold shoes, I never sold a shoe for under what I paid for it, okay? Why on earth would anyone sell something for less than they paid for it? That makes just no fucking sense at all whatsoever. I guess I could say I was lucky because I ended up selling my entire collection at one piece. But what I'm trying to say is it makes zero fucking sense. Get something you like, something that looks cool, whatever. And if you're just buying only for resale, whatever, understand there's consequences to that. But I heard someone say once, oh, they did it. You know, they sell, you know, less than what they pay for because they got scared. They're scared it's going to fall or tank. And it's like you're helping it tank. The fuck you talking about? Have you ever heard of the term scared money don't make no money? That again is why you shouldn't buy anything just because somebody told you to buy it. I don't care if I told you to buy something because you think it might resell good. Buy something because you like it. Because again, if shit don't pan out, you got no problem with keeping it. That way things are happy. It's not, you know, as much as you guys want to think it is, these aren't stocks. No matter how much you want them to be stocks, they're not stocks. These are tangible items, mostly fashionable, wearable items. These are things that can be used for good, for playing basketball, for whatever, walking on the street. They can be lightly used and still resold, all right? What's sad is you got a bunch of people who are buying things that are completely useless for them, okay? You have people who are buying useless items for their personal life, and it's stupid. I'm still baffled again, sorry, 
how someone could sell anything they bought for less than they paid for. It's just really, it hurts my head. I have a headache talking about it. If you got no other outlet to move something other than StockX or eBay, I mean, damn, man, what are you doing? Like, have a real job. Sorry, man, this just ain't for you. This goes for hyped up sneaker drops too. It's stupid. All it takes is one scared clown who can't afford to sit on shit to sell something for lower than what it's worth to someone else and boom, it's dust. That's why my gold money counter is still selling today in retail brick and mortar shops for $900. My boy just showed me a shop in Miami and a shop in Chicago that it sold them for 900 bucks, whatever tax here and there, and they're selling. Speaking of which, just so you guys know, because people ask, there's less than a thousand of my gold money counters. I know there's probably at least 20, 30,000 people that want that money counter, okay? But there's less than a thousand of my gold money counters in existence, okay? I will never drop one ever again. That is it. So eventually, these things are going to be, you know, they're obviously going to go back up because at a certain point, they won't be dead stock anymore. People are using them and everything and, and just that's what it is. But that's it for that money counter. And they still do well on this Black Friday, though, I'm dropping a platinum money counter. Mention it briefly on my IG stories if you guys caught that. And there will be less than 600 total in existence. But realistically, there'll be less than like 550 for sale because I'm keeping a bunch of myself to give away as Christmas presents. Okay? So that's very rare considering that I have a total of 2 million people following me across all my platforms. All right? Those platinum money counters will be sold early on Snapchat stories or Snapchat fucking purchased. I don't know the fuck. I guess Snapchat has stores now. I don't know. I did a deal with them. I'm letting you guys know before anybody else, nobody else fucking knows this. It's going on before it goes even to fucking network, okay? But on Black Friday, there will be an actual release and then that is it. There'll be no more fucking money counters, period, ever with my fucking logo on it ever again. Just trust me on this. There is more demand than people fucking think. They're 200 fucking dollars. They're fun. It's a novelty item. The fuck is wrong with some of you? Like, if that's too much money for you guys, don't buy them, okay? There will never be another gold digital scale drop ever. There's never going to be a gold vacuum sealer drop, okay? By the way, I haven't even got my digital scales yet. Some of you guys got your shit. I haven't even got mine, okay? But we're close to curtain call on all these gold drops. And if we do anything, it's going to be something super fucking fresh, and my collabs with network are starting to come to an end just because I'm expen I'm, I want to expand my own brand and my namesake and keep it strictly for bbdtc.com because I got collaborations with Oakley coming up with New Era and other stuff. And I got cool shit. And it's not for resale. It's shit that I want people to use, right? Because it's shit that I think is fresh. And some people like the shit that I walk. Even though I fucking tell you I'm washed, people fuck with it. Uh, real quick, man, tomorrow, Designer Con begins, okay? You got to fucking download, you got to go, just go to Designer Con, Google it, go to their fucking Instagram page. Sorry if that sounds like a fucking terrible shout out, but they're not paying me, these are just homies of mine. You want to get some fucking rare rare bricks, go to Designer Con, get that shit, it's all virtual, you guys go fucking nuts, get your fucking bear bricks, they have a fucking super rare Soriyama Mickey Mouse bear brick, should it be worth a fucking couple G's, and it'll keep going up and up in value, I know that for a fucking fact. Okay, now my next rant. I see dudes who I follow on my Instagram feeds flexing, you know, their watches, their shitty ass bust downs, their little cute little Ferraris, 
right? Cute little Rolls Royce with the fucking starlight fucking roof, which me personally, I'd rather fucking have a panoramic roof with glass, okay? And for the last two years, I haven't flexed at all. Just by choice, you know? I flexed so fucking hard for the first six years of my IG. And then like 17, 18, I kind of flex here and there. But like 18, 19, 20, I, I haven't flexed. I've been wanting to flex, you know? You don't think I want to fucking flex and go shit on motherfuckers and post some crazy shit. But you know what's crazy is that it just makes people angry. And I'm just like, fuck. When I see rappers and athletes do it, you know, people dick ride and applaud, you know, like these posts. But when I post some personal shit, like a watch, or if, God forbid I post a million dollar car, and I got two of them, right? I'm called out of pocket. Like, oh man, you out of pocket, dog. Man, you foul, man. Who knows you got? What the fuck are you guys talking about? You know how crazy that shit sounds to me? It took me decades of hustle to obtain these items. Y'all crack me the fuck up, okay? Especially because a lot of you motherfuckers aren't even fucking living this life. And I'm talking about, yeah, even the pro athletes, whatever, some of you guys, you know, may not have a fucking 10-year contract. But look, look, if it makes you happy, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sounds like hating. It's just, look, I want to post some shit, but... I worked hard as fuck to get where I'm at. Not to say that these guys, these pro athletes didn't everything. I'm just saying the reaction is hilarious, okay? It's a blessing that I'm even fucking able to stun on a fucking pro athlete, right? Like these guys who have $60 million contracts, okay? I've even heard some billionaires' feelings. People are like, oh, how the fuck you do that? It's because I have worked hard to get relationships and networks. And those networks have afforded me early access, to things that money can't buy, okay? Or early access to things that are luxury items or whatever it may be, and that these billionaires, just because they got money, it don't work that way because it's a whole package of influence that comes with me, my name, and everything else. But it's just crazy that you motherfuckers hate and whatever and think that I was, I don't know, man. I think because, maybe because I've had money for 16 years, people assume I've had it all my life. But of course, I mean, if you ask me, I'd love to constantly shit on people. Just not necessarily, but, you know, just to go out there and be like, yo, bro, I like this is what I'm rocking right here. This is what I'm driving, boom. But I guess, you know what? I am Ben Humble for 2020. 2021, I'll probably be the same way, okay? You'll never see me post a car that I don't own, all right? Okay, that never happened. It's never been me in my life, ever. And I love cars. I just never, you'll never see me do that, all right? You'll never see me post a luxury or exotic car with over 2,500 miles on it, okay? <laughs> and I know that's fucked up. I'm just letting you know. That's just something that's wrong with my sick mind, okay? Now, about to end this show, I want to let you guys know that that secret or special item that was dropping dropped uh, day before yesterday. Tops decided to do a special thing for Project 2020 we now have fine art prints. They are numbered from 1 to 99. In that 1 to 99, there's only 99 in existence. And of that 1 to 99, there is a 101 gold print. They come framed. They're very nice. They're dope. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm gonna build an entire wall of all 20 of mine. They're fucking sick. I bought one. And there's obviously an AP as well. They're a little pricey, but these are very limited and they're fucking sick. I love them. Uh, if you guys are listening to this in real time, my Project 2020 17th card is available now. It is Nolan Ryan, the pitching god. Yeah, 
That card is available until Saturday morning. Go ahead and grab that. And um, that as much as I could say about the hobby. You know, there's all kinds of weird fucking fraud happening from fucking Colorado. It's like thinking what kind of fucking cornball shit. I literally can't wait to have some goons come out to Colorado and just pay a visit to some of these motherfuckers. I literally saved all the shipping addresses, all these people. Have to, it's like three times now for like 2,500 to 5Gs that Colorado's pulling this fucking fuck shit. And y'all, y'all about to have some, uh, look, it's going to be a nice little pleasant surprise. Okay. Anyways, guys, that is it for this episode. I hope you love the episode. Look, Tom Green, thank you so much again for coming back on. I cannot wait to do your show. Everyone who messaged Joe Rogan or sent a DM or left a comment, look, do it again. <laughs> Let's get me on the Joe Rogan experience, man. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys more than anything that you guys even know. I appreciate you guys making this a top ranked show globally. All right. But that is it. And you know what else that is? This is not your practice life. You guys know that is a motherfucking fact. Stop acting like this is some video game. It is not. Okay. Appreciate everybody who subscribes to this show. If you don't subscribe, please hit the subscribe button now. We are available on every platform. Anywhere that has podcasts behind the baller is available. All right. So again, Thank you guys so much. God bless. I will see you guys on the weekend wrap up. Yo, Lakey, take us out of here, homie.